With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. Welcome back, listeners from around the world. I'm glad you're doing, glad everybody's doing well out there. This is Aaron Richmond, and you are listening to Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we talk about issues in the blindness community. Today, or tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, we are joined uh, by Ken Smith again. Last time, he gave us a really exciting story about his experiences working as a correctional officer in a New York State uh, County jail. But tonight, I asked Ken to speak more directly about the issues that concern the blindness community as they relate to how he became blind, it's very interesting, and some of the challenges and frustrations that he would like uh, you all to be, us to be aware of. So, uh, Ken, you have basically an hour. Go ahead. Well, thanks for having me back. Uh, we got into all the jail stuff pretty heavy last time, but uh, we ran out of time to actually talk about all the vision related stuff. So uh, I'm glad to be back. I've got my little timeline all all written out. And uh, I guess I'll remind the listeners that uh, I was a CO for 11 years and I started going blind from a disease called post-LASIK ectasia, which is a thinning of the corneal walls due to LASIK surgery. So I'm going to give you a timeline and just walk you through what happened, my experiences, in my introduction to the blind life. Uh, so in 2000, I had LASIK surgery. I wanted to go into law enforcement. I had thick Coke bottle glasses and that would uh, preclude me from going into many law enforcement agencies at the time. Uh, lucky for me, LASIK surgery had just been okayed and I plopped down my money. Uh, I believe it was $1,000 an eye and had my eyes, uh, surgically altered. Looking back on it, uh, probably the worst decision I ever made. The next week after I had the procedure done, paid my money, and they took their pound of flesh, uh, my vision was 2015. Never been so clear. I could, I could see things I never even knew you could see, you know, the veins on a, on a leaf on a tree from from dozens and dozens of feet away, things that I just didn't know you could physically see. It was great. I had no complications whatsoever, no halos, no tearing, no pain. Uh, um, it was like they threw a switch in my brain and, and I had new eyes. I loved it. Told everybody I knew, get laser surgery. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I was wrong because in uh, 2010, 
I was working the pod, sitting in jail, and looking at a uh, inmate about 40 yards away from me. And I used to be able to see the inmate and tell who the inmate was, and I couldn't anymore. And that concerned me because I had worked that pod a week ago, and I could tell who the inmate was at that time. Uh, so I decided I was going to call the eye doctor, and, and you know, they said, okay, well, come on in. So two weeks later, I met the eye doctors. They do some tests, and the eye doctor goes, hmm, I'm, I want to run some more tests. And my, my stomach just dropped because you never want to hear a doctor say, I want to run some more tests. We're not sure. So we ran some tests, did a thing called a uh, topography, where they measure how round the shape of your pupil is. And he came back and he essentially said, well, you have a disease called keratoconus, and it leads to blindness. It's not my specialty, but I'll refer to you as someone else. Uh, please make a follow-up appointment on your way out. And he left. So pretty devastated. Uh, I went through the I went through the whole rigmarole, and basically, I was told I have a naturally occurring disease. Uh, it wasn't true, but at the time, I believed it. I went through a lot of treatments, a lot of uh, glasses and try this and try that. And here's the latest deal and none of it worked. And six months later, I was legally blind in my right eye. Now I could still work and I could still get around, but everything was really blurry. Uh, I was getting massive headaches because the different the visual garbage coming in from my right eye interfered with my brain. And it, and it was just a huge, huge pain. They referred me to a doctor, so I went down to Albany, which is the you know the capital, and got a um, checkup there. And they said uh, you don't have corneal, or you you don't have um, keratoconus. You have post-laser ectasia. So they let me know that no, indeed, I I had a disease caused by LASIK surgery. So the fact that I I did I made the decision that caused me to lose my vision just you know weighed heavy on my heart it, it was pretty rough uh I, I there's no two ways about it my decision caused me to lose my vision but at the time it wasn't there yet so getting back to the story uh I had the surgery on my right eye I had a corneal transplant which they take the uh, the top part of your pupil, which is a rounded dome shape, off, they slap a cadaver pupil on it and stitch it into place. It's not super painful, but it was scary. Uh, I got done with that, started healing up, and uh, what they do is they pull stitches from different sides to get the correct shape because you want your pupil to be in a dome shape to get the light to focus just right. So he would look at my eye through his little magnifying glass. He'd be like, okay, we need to lean a little left. So he would pull some stitches on the right, pull some stitches over here. And I could feel, you know, the point of the stitch coming out. And then my eye would change shape and I could see. So, you know, I went through that for six months. And eventually it got back down to 2070, which is good because that means I can drive with that eye. And it really started to help. Unfortunately, 
as my left eye or as my right eye was getting better, my left eye began to go. And I noticed the same thing. Oh, everything's getting blurry in my left eye. Went back to the doctor and the doctor uh, said, yes, you have, now you have this disease in your left eye as well. So my right eye is getting better. My left eye is getting fuzzy. And I just kept telling myself, all you need is one. You can get by, you can do your job, you can drive, no problems. One eye is fine. So my right eye is getting better. Uh, eventually I became legally blind in my left eye, 2200, 22 or 2500, whatever it was. Not usable for um, driving or working really. Uh, so let's see. Uh, yeah, so I'm blind in my left. So I got a corneal transplant in my left eye. Now that began to heal up and it was an easier surgery because I knew what to expect. And sure enough, the corneal transplant was a success. The graft was fine. The stitches, they pulled the stitches. I started seeing better out of that eye. Eventually that got down to 2070 and then 2050, I believe is where I bottomed out. And as that one got better, the first eye that I had surgery, my right eye, began going blind again. So again, I told myself, all you need is one. That's all you need. You can get by with one good eye. Your left eye is good. That's it's fine. And uh, eventually I was legally blind in my right eye. And at this all started in 2010. So by 2015, my good eye, which is the only eye I could see out of very well, was my left eye. And that started going in the beginning of 2015. And by, by the end of 2015, I was completely legally blind. Out of work, couldn't see very well, uh, applying for Social Security, and just traumatized. Just really, really traumatized. Uh, I guess I'll tell you what I can see because I know blindness is a spectrum and I can see quite a bit. Uh, I have photophobia, which as you know, is the light hurts my eyes. I have triple vision, very little depth perception. And the main part of my vision is like looking through a, uh, a shower curtain. I can see and I can kind of guess what the shapes are but I can't really tell until it gets really close. Uh, I also suffer from something from called Charles Bonnet syndrome. Uh, are you familiar with that, Aaron? Outstanding. Everything you've said, really, really well done as always. I was hoping you would bring up that, um, that syndrome. That one was uh, really, really, really fascinating. Um, you've said a lot of in a lot of really good material that I do I, I do want to make a couple of comments. You know, it's it can be interesting to think about what we see as blind people. I I struggle with it, Ken. If somebody asks me, Aaron, what can you see? I I don't I don't really answer because I I, I can't even express it really. I'm able to see colors. I guess I am, but I also understand as I've gotten, you know, obviously to be an adult, I've understood that my vision is only my perception of colors and what is truly uh, being seen. I am sure that there are colors on the spectrum that I am not even aware of, or perhaps that I am seeing and not even aware that I'm seeing them. So it's, you know, it's really interesting when people ask me, well, what, what can you see? 
I try to say, I don't know. I see colors, I guess. That can be a very frustrating question um, in the blindness community, listeners. So maybe um, in a very general sense, the first time you meet a blind person, in my opinion, it's not a good idea to say, what can you see? If you're, if you're curious about that, which some people are simply curious, you can say, ask other things, but maybe not what can you see because it's the, the the question when you're blind what can you see does not mean a whole lot it doesn't hold a lot of gravity to someone who is blind and of course i cannot comprehend your your struggle here with going through what you what you just explained obviously of course i understood you but at a philosophical level i cannot i cannot remotely understand that because i was born blind i was born with glaucoma um and then i had seven uh, corneal transplants but um, three in one eye, four in the other, or something like that. But they, um, they were done between the ages of zero and five. So you know, when you're that little, you don't you don't even understand. Um, but um, philosophically speaking, do I think it's your fault? No, no, it's not your fault. That it's not your fault that you're blind and that you lost your vision um, as a result of uh, post-LASIK surgery, because you were doing the surgery at the time that was the best choice for you. And based on what you told me last week, um, you 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 you're someone who makes makes the right choices in life. I I, I have gotten that impression. So I would never I I, I would not. I, I would not feel, I, I, I don't think you should feel like it's your fault in, in, in a sense. I mean, factually, yeah, is it your fault that you physically took yourself to the hospital? Yes, but these, the, the, this is a strange thing in life and that everybody, myself included, has very, very strange things that happen in our lives without a lot of reason. And it's just how life works, it, un, unfortunately. Um, there's all sorts of bizarre things that happen without seeming seeming like there's no reason to it. But well, yes, like, yes, yes. Like they said, uh, like uh, well, I believe it was Tennyson said, ours is not to question why, ours is but to do and die. In the charge of the late brigade. And really, at the end of it, it doesn't matter why it happened. It matters right. how I deal with it. Exactly. Or the, or the way that I view it in my own life when I've dealt with, with struggles is um, what's more important is that I understood the importance of getting up when I fall down. That's, that's the life lesson there. No shame in getting knocked down, but there, to me, there's shame right. in getting down. Oh, oh, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. There is, there is frustration because you made the choice to get the surgery, but you had no idea that that would have caused that. That any anyway, at, at, at any rate, I wouldn't. I don't think it's your fault, and I think that these things happen in life. And yes, please tell us more about that uh, Charles syndrome you were mentioning. And then, when we were talking a long time ago, you mentioned how something um, slightly back to the prison. Something happened, if you want to talk about it. Something happened at the jail that you said was very ironic and. Um, in a sense, in a philosophical sense, you were glad that you were not there because of your vision loss. Something happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, so but I, I want you to walk into it after you explain the Charles syndrome, because that's, that, this is all very interesting. All right, go ahead. Sure, and I apologize for the uh, the monologue at the beginning. It went a little long, but. No, that's exactly, 
No, no, that's, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. I did that on purpose. I wanted to give you a monologue because you're great at monologues. Go for it. Go. All right. So, you know, just to have the listeners understand what I see, I see a full range of lights and, and most of the colors. I've, I've lost some colors. I don't see the colors the way I did, and I can't see some colors anymore. So it's just like I'm walking through a, through a blur. You know, I walk into stuff. I, I travel with a cane. I'm not, I, I can pass. I, I don't know if that's an offensive word, but I pass is cited quite a bit. But um, the, the final thing that, that I suffer from is something called Charles Benet syndrome, and it's a doozy. And I'll, I'll tell you a story about how I learned that I had this syndrome. I was laying in bed one night, uh, a few years into my uh, journey into, into the blindness, and I woke up and I looked in the hallway of my bedroom and there was a floating head disembodied floating head and uh i sat up and i looked at it and i blinked and i realized i wasn't dreaming and uh my logical brain said well that's either an actual ghost or you're losing your mind one or the other and i said well god hates a coward so i got up and i decided if it was a ghost i was going to go touch it and I walked up to it, and just as I was about to put my finger in it, it disappeared. And I didn't say anything to anybody. You know, I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell my kids. I didn't tell my doctor. I didn't say anything to anybody because I was unsure if I was crazy or if ghosts were real. And as an adult, I didn't know how to broach that subject to my wife. So it happened a couple more times. And then uh, it changed. Instead of a head, I was seeing a spider. And I live in the North Country. There are no large spiders up here. Uh, there's no tarantulas. But I was seeing a spider the size of a tennis ball crawling around my room at night. And I would try to catch it, and it would disappear. And so at that point, I kind of ruled ghost out because I might buy a human ghost, but I don't buy a spider ghost. And so I decided, uh, well, I'm, I'm going crazy. Uh, maybe I'm schizophrenic or maybe there's some disease out there I don't know about. And I, I got real sad and real depressed because I can't trust my eyes. I can't trust my brain. And I, I didn't say anything. I just suffered with it. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would look or I would go to bed and I would look and there would be a spider or uh, a floating head or a little girl pointing at me. And it, it, just, it was horrible. And I thought I was going crazy. And one day I decided, all right, I'm going to look this up. And I, so I typed in going blind and hallucinations. And lo and behold, there's a disease called Charles Bonnet syndrome. And essentially, it's hallucinations caused by the fact that your brain is no longer getting enough visual stimulation from your eyes. So it fills in what it knows is an empty canvas. And once I learned that, it was the weight of the world off my head, off my shoulders, because I realized this is just another symptom of your blindness and not mental health issues. And um, once that started and I realized, okay, this isn't, I don't have to worry about, um, you know, my decay into madness or, or, or anything happening, you know, worried about the tinfoil hat or me hearing voices telling me to kill like son of Sam or something. When I realized it was just my brain trying to fill in, 
I started to relax. And when I started to relax about it, they started to get funny. And by funny, I mean, I would be, I would be sitting here laying down and a cartoon bass, like a largemouth bass would swim through the wall and swim around my room, bumping into stuff. Or I would see a lifelike squirrel sitting on my, my nightstand or uh, kaleidoscope colors across my wall, like kind of like a magic, well, kind of like a, uh, a psychedelic magic eye poster where just the colors would swirl and it was beautiful. And on occasion, I would get the scary floating head guy would come back. Uh, I'm trying to think of the worst one. It was probably the seven-foot-tall clown that was pointing at me and slowly approaching me. Um, I learned to deal with it. I blink, I turn on the lights, I try to touch it, and the visions go away. And once I knew what I was dealing with, I felt, I felt so much better. Uh, they still disturb me on occasion, but it's not the horrible... Uh, the horrible end of the world that I thought it was. And I've run into a lot of uh, visually impaired people that don't know about Charles Bonet. And we're the only people that it, it affects, and it's not something that's well known. And it's, it shocks me. Uh, one of the reasons I want to mention it on here was because hopefully there's listeners out there that will pass this knowledge on. I know that um, I'm on a couple of uh, visually impaired support groups, and one of one of the um, things I've noticed is that there will be people new to the uh, and and it generally only happens to I can't say only but it generally happens to people who lose their vision later in life who are born sighted and through disease or trauma have have the um, their vision removed or or lessened. Um, but on these websites that I go to on the support groups, I see a lot of new people to, to blindness talking about these visions and worrying about their mental health. And I've, I've talked to several of them personally and said, Hey, listen, I can't, I can't diagnose you over the phone. Obviously I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose anybody, but go to your doctor and ask about Charles Bonet. And several times I've heard back from them saying, yeah, I had Charles Bonet syndrome. I'm not going nuts. Thank you so much. And it's my hope that by describing this and telling you about the scariness and the, and my, my fears, and going over this, that maybe, I mean, some of your listeners out there might be suffering from this. And if they were, I want them to know they're not alone. They're not going crazy. It's just, just a trick of their brain. Listener, if you're, um, so if you're suffering from Charles Benet syndrome, or if you have this syndrome, Ken, what should they do? Um, I mean, it sounds like, you know, if, if it's if it's someone who's in our group, it sounds like you would be willing to uh, perhaps uh, speak with them. Uh, but what are some other things that they need to be doing if they are suffering, if they have this uh, syndrome? Well, the first thing, if, if you're if you're having hallucinations that you didn't have and you meet the criteria of newly blind or or early in on your journey. Uh, tell somebody I suffered for a month without telling anybody because I was scared of the stigma of mental illness. And I wish I had said something immediately because I would have went to the doctor and we could have, we could have had this hashed out. Uh, I've also heard of people being committed to mental uh, institutions because of this. Um, one other thing is if you haven't been diagnosed, you absolutely have to get to a doctor because visual, visual hallucinations can be caused by, tumors on your brain, 
mental illnesses, um, you know, a million things could it could be. So don't just assume I'm I'm visually impaired. I have hallucinations. I have Charles Bonnet. You, you need to get out there and get tested and get you know get everything, all your ducks in a row and and get get out to a doctor. For me, the way to, to um, <coughs> the way that I handle it is one staring directly at it. Uh, usually for me, if I stare directly at it, it stays. So if I look away and look back, oftentimes they flicker out of existence. Sometimes I can't make them go away and they go away when they want to. Uh, other times, uh, turning a light on makes them go away. One thing that I 100% of the time has worked for me so far is if I get up, physically move, and try to put my hand on the hallucination, it's gone away every time. I have a friend that has Charles Manning as well. Uh, similar situation went blind later in life, and he has them on occasion for hours and hours at a time, and nothing will make them go away. I see generally pleasant things, but on occasion the scary things. And I, what I've noticed is the more relaxed I am, the more fun or the more interesting the visions are. And that can vary from people. Like I said, I've killer clowns to... Uh, bushy cute squirrels sitting on my nightstand looking at me it, it, it's a crapshoot and um mostly i just want to let people know that they need to they don't suffer in silence get out there and look you know get out there and look for an answer look for somebody to talk to look for this kind of stuff because i know the crushing weight of desperation that was on my shoulders when i thought i was losing my mind and i i, I you know the the feeling of elation when i realized it was just a part of me going blind was one of the best feelings ever. You mentioned how people should go seek a physician to take a uh, specific test. So what would the doctor do? Well, no, there's no, what I meant is, uh, Oh, sorry. The, uh, one of, one of the uh, symptoms that I was worried about was uh, brain tumors because that, that can cause all kinds of weirdness. And when I said go for a test, that's what I meant was, you know, a CAT scan. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I, I misunderstood that. So yeah, then, there's no specific test that I know of anyway. Right, right. But you know, when you, when you go to the doctor and how would the doctor know if it's Charles Benet and not something else? That's what I'm asking. Oh, well, I think basically what it is, is they take your history and they rule out everything else. And uh, one of the things I should mention is that Charles Benet is never auditory. So you, you should not be hearing uh, the, the killer clown saying anything or the, the chipmunk twittering at you or, or, you know, the little girl singing. So the fact that the hallucination is only visual, that you've had a recent trauma to your eyes uh, and the ruling out of other medical issues is how they diagnose it. Excellent. So if you, listener, if you have more questions, you should comment below on this uh, podcast, on this episode. Uh, you're, if you're in the Facebook group, uh, leave comment below. You know this uh, episode is getting posted um, in that group. I notice a lot of you in the group are not are not commenting. Lately, I've been noticing with all of the Facebook and Twitter, 
that I that I do for Aaron's opinion. I notice that a lot of the posts just kind of get pushed, you know, with everybody posting all at once now with the high volume of posts, posts get buried very, very, very quickly. So I've I've noticing that that's a, a bigger and bigger thing these days. Posts are disappearing or getting buried in, in threads very easily. But then you, and by the way, and for more information, you can visit my shows page on Facebook. Uh, I also uh, have a Twitter, so this episode gets tweeted out. Yet anyway, then back to the philosophical issue of kind of why this whole thing happened for you, of you going and getting the LASIK surgery and having the vision loss and becoming blind. You were mentioning um, in, the, in the past that something very specific happened at the jail where you used to work. And sure. it's one of these things that, that okay, go ahead, that, that thing. And it's, that's the whole life lesson or the whole reason, I guess. So go yeah. ahead. One of, uh, and, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, one of the reasons I, I contacted you and we were talking was I would like to talk about some of the uh, issues in, in our in the community of the of visually impaired people, but uh, one of the one of the jail related stories about a year and a half ago. So four years after I was forced to retire, I uh, got a call from one of my friends that still worked there and said, "Yeah, uh, four seals were assaulted, two were stabbed, and one's in the hospital." And uh, you know, up to that time, I had I had very little positive feelings about about going blind or visually impaired, being visually impaired. But at that moment, I realized that, hey, if I wasn't retired because of that, that could have been me in the hospital or me getting stabbed because that was my shift. That was my floor that would, I would have been working there and I would have been, that would have been me, could have been me. And that was one of the things that made me realize that how you look at life it should be colored by appreciation you can't you can't just look at all the negatives and just get down and and it's not wrong to look at my visual impairment as something that potentially saved me from getting stabbed and i'll never say i'm grateful for going blind i'll never say it's a good thing but i will say that in that particular instance who knows i i mean it could have been me And you know not to um, not to interject at all in a in a religion in a religious sense, but just being philosophical. Who knows that LASIK eye surgery might have been one of those blessings in disguise. Might have been life's way, or perhaps if you look at it this way, that might have been God's way of sadly moving you out of the way that you need. You needed to make sure that that didn't happen to you. It's horrible that it happened to them, but you needed to not, that for, for some reason in the journey of life, you needed to not have that happen to you. So that's kind of how, how I view that. You were kind of complicated by the surgery, but in a sense, perhaps maybe blessing in disguise, but that's really up to you. That's yeah, really that's, I, I would like to think that. And I think, uh, on my happier days, yeah, I tend that way. So who knows? And all I know is that after I got the news, and by the way, all all four of them recovered. 
Oh, good. Okay. I, I was just about to ask whatever and whatever be, and are they still working there now? I mean, do you keep in touch with them? Do they still work oh, that yeah. shift? They're all still working. They're all, they're all healthy. Uh, Great. No, well, not no worse for wear, but you know, they survived, you know, that's, Wonderful. that's part of the job. So good to hear that. You go every day when you, when you walk through that gate and the door locks behind you, you know, you're taking your life in your hands and that's a risk that I took and they take knowingly. So <clears throat> It happened. They knew it could happen. It was part of the job and they moved on. And that's just how you have to live. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, so back to my story. So anyway, now I'm retired. Uh, I, I go to apply for Social Security. And because there was an error in my paperwork, it took two years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my so, God. Uh, there was they, they put a date in the wrong place. So I was forced to go to a hearing to uh to plead my case and if you've ever been to a social security hearing they have a professional uh job placement person who tells the judge what you're capable of doing and i went through i met i met all the standards i was counts fingers at the time i've been legally blind for six months before i even applied i met i was 100 percent good to go my lawyer went in i went in and we had the hearing and the judge asked the, the uh, professional job placement lady what jobs she would recommend for me uh, with my abilities in education. And the first job that she recommended to the judge to deny me Social Security was Science Spinner, which is the guy that stands on the corner spinning what? the sign on the highway. Huh? Wait a minute. I'm That's not. You would think I'm lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I, he, that, this is, okay, this is just like, l listener, let me tell you, I thought last week's episode was both really good and really disturbing. I think this episode is going to be disturbing too. Okay, that is, that is concerning. That, yeah. that's, that, scares, that scares me more than the jail stories. Well, I, I got pretty mad, but I didn't say anything. My, after yeah. she got saying sign spinner, which that's sign not the spinner. for it, but was, it was something like highway... Whatever it's, you know what? I don't even, I don't need listener. I don't even know Ken in real life. And I'm as a blind person, I'm offended by that. That's offensive to me. I, I was I don't, pretty, uh, so the, the lawyer just looked, you know, he, he just addressed the court and asked the lady. So would this be on a uh, tree line, quiet residential street with curbs and, and, and safety features, or would this be on, the busiest highway they could find near the business. And they said, well, technically it's, you know, usually it's by a highway or something like that. He's like, okay, thank you. So we moved on. The next one was uh, grocery bag boy. Come on. No, Come no, on. I get better. So again, the, my lawyer and I, I walk with a cane, so I would be doing this one handed. So she wanted me to be a, a grocery bag boy. And while sure I could, 100%. You put me at the end of that register, and eventually I will bag everything on that register. It's not going to be in the right order. It's going to be slower than molasses, and I'm going to drop and break a lot of stuff. But I could physically do it. So he asked, he asked a lady, uh, do people expect their groceries to be bagged in a certain manner, in an efficient manner? Would the store, do you think the store would like an employee who's 60% slower than everyone else and needs to take 30 minute breaks throughout the day because of my photophobia, I can't be exposed to uh, fluorescent lights for very long. And again, she said, well, 
maybe. And so, no further questions, moved on. Her third job that I should take, or the third job that would render me uh, ineligible for social security that I could take was a laundry folder in an industrial laundry. So, oh God, oh no. Again, and, and the judge asked her, well, and he said, well, you know, in these kind of places, there are, there are uh, people whose job it is to fold the laundry before it's packed. And so, again, my lawyer, being a, a fairly smart guy, said, so an industrial laundry, uh, they have a lot of uh, caustic chemicals, large noisy machines, and um, constantly rotating stock. And the lady said, well, I suppose, yes, they do. And he said, do you think that an industrial laundry is really going to want to hire my client who's visually impaired, can't see the, the dangers, and with the, uh, with, with the auditory problems of the machines, might not be safe? And she's like, well, maybe, maybe not, and hemmed and hawed. So we, you know, the judge asked me what, if I had anything to say, and I just said, I'm embarrassed to be here. I don't want to be here, but I, for my family's sake, I'm here. I, I meet the qualifications. You know, just do the right thing and, and, and find for me. That's all I ask. And three days later, uh, he signed the order saying that I won my case. So right. a week later, I got, the, I, got, I got the order saying that I'd won, and it was dated three days past uh, the, um, the interview. And, and uh, right. And, you know, often, oftentimes in most of these types of cases, uh, the the uh, the administrate the administrative law judge, as it's called. Yeah. The administrative law judge, judges oftentimes side uh, with the blind person sometimes or the person with disability. But that's completely beside the point. The argument should be that someone as successful as you who has the skills to work in a in a jail and is willing to put their life on the line every day for their county, should never be told to walk on a street and show someone a sign. That should be the greatest argument of all, why none of those jobs would be remotely appropriate, and why, why all of those things are, are highly offensive as far as I'm concerned. Well, they're all dangerous as, as all get out in my book. Uh... Well, I, I mean, I don't know more, 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 da more dangerous than the jail. Who knows? I, I don't know. Probably not, but uh, yeah, I'd rather get hit by a fist than a Buick. You know, I'd rather ne I'd rather neither, and I'd ra neither is what I'd go with. Regardless, that is that is incredibly disturbing um, that someone would say that to an adult uh, your age or or anyone. Um, yet it uh, never ceases to surprise me. Um, well, thing sometimes it hurts sometimes it helps i i went through all this and i mean if i had no other choice to feed my family i would stand on that street corner and wave that sign the best i could but when there's a system set up like social security which i paid into since i was 13 years old there's no reason to tell a visually impaired person that they should be a uh, bag boy or a or a sign spinner on the highway that's that's just ridiculously ignorant, and and I was shocked. But I got done with it. I, I got my award. Uh, you know, I got my my pension finally kicked in after a year, and you know, all the financial problems finally were resolved. So, 
it was a dark time. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it was a dark time in my life, but uh, I got through it, and it, it was just crazy. Just just things kept happening that shouldn't have happened, but they did. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. I uh, all right. One so, of the other. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, the one of the other things that <laughs> um, you mentioned. And, uh, and and obviously we're not going, we don't need to get into personalities here, but you mentioned how the, these days on the blind and visually impaired support group that we're both in, um, sometimes people are a little, um, to put it lightly, a little immature and they're making a lot of, a lot of comments that they shouldn't be saying um, about your blindness and the way that you're going about life. Um, and that type of behavior is something that I, I personally have faced that as well. And I, I have a zero tolerance policy for that behavior. So if you want to express and explain, give some examples, um, sure. I think that would be good because I think that is important how people behave on social media as they interact with us. I think it is important. Well, one of the reasons I, I reached out to you again was I've, I've had some some questions and when people say the blind community i mean they got to realize that that's not a thing there isn't like we don't have monthly meetings no one pays dues it's it's a loose conglomeration of people with visual disabilities but it's not exactly a community it's not like the kiwanis club or the moose or the elk lodge or anything like that that's, okay that's 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 a good that's a good point you know i've never th thank you for bringing that up i've never that's never occurred to me that's true it's not really a community but it in a sense yeah, it's not really a yeah, it's not a community. But I'm just using that word very loosely to mean group, group or Facebook group-ish thing. Yes, that's true. It's not a community, right? Yeah. Well, it, that just always bothered me. Like, yeah, there there's a community, and we all have similar attributes, but you know, there's no consensus. Just because I say something doesn't mean that I speak for anybody. And anybody that says they speak for everybody's lying. There's never been a person yeah. that's spoken for in, in the history of the world. Um, so one of the reasons I reached out to you is, is because I, I had some questions because I faced some, some ignorance in, in the sighted community, you know, like people asking uh, if I was faking being blind because I could see part, I could partially see, or, uh, you know, just like you said, people saying dumb things to me, like, have you tried glasses? And you know, just I think things that a lot of blind people experience. And I was just shocked by the level of ignorance that people have walking around and not even meanly, but just just they don't even understand how wrong some of the stuff they ask you are. You know, I had a doctor ask me if I could uh, wipe my own butt. Yeah, looked, that's that's really scary. That scares me. I would have gotten, I would have just ran out of that office. That's a scary doctor then. But well, yeah, that's the most commonly Googled thing um, that people Google about blind people. How do we wipe? I, I don't know. I don't know what the fascination is. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I, I was shocked at, at that an educated person could be as ignorant as that to, to ask me a question that it just blew my mind. Well, anyway, so once I started, I, I'd never interacted with anybody that was visually impaired before. And once I started going onto some of these, uh, these, these groups that shall remain nameless, uh, I've noticed that there, there's a schism between them. And, and um, 
I, I'm not speaking for everyone, and, and some of the generalizations I make are going to be gross generalizations, and I'm not speaking to any particular person, just things I've noticed. And uh, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm really looking for some clarity, and that's one of the reasons I, I, I'm talking to you. And what I've noticed is there's, there's a fairly deep division between those of us in my camp who have gone blind later in life and those of you born blind and are visually impaired and have always had that issue. And I've noticed there, there's a pretty big divide there. I wasn't sure if it was in my, in my head or not, but uh, I've noticed that, that in general, there's some different attitudes. And I, I you know, we've talked about it and, and I believe you agree that there are some differences. Without doubt, without doubt. I, of course, I, yes, I agree with that, yes. Um, and yes, the group can run, uh, remain nameless, sure, no problem there. Um, I think that what it, what it all comes down to is, is three big different, three, three things, and all of these things are my opinion. I think that when you're well, born- Well, it is called Aaron's opinion. Well, <laughs> just, just in case we have new listeners who are- not always, you know, flipping through podcasts. Well, actually, a lot of people flip through podcasts and don't even know what they're listening to. That's not, it's not unheard of. Um, but any, anyway, I think that people who are born blind, like me, cannot understand. As I said before, I cannot understand what it must be like to go blind as an older adult. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I understand that when I don't. I would be lying. I don't understand it. I am, and I am never going to understand it because I've never had that experience. The other thing that's going on is that a lot of there are an enormously high number of blind people uh, who are um, either in, in uh, under underemployed um, or not able to work for various reasons, or in some cases, um, perhaps not willing to work. And those one of the things that really frustrates me is that I, I pay taxes every year. And some of my tax dollars go to support them, supports other blind people who, uh, in my estimation, um, are unwilling, sometimes even unwilling to work. Now, sometimes there's obvious extreme discrimination. And if you're out there and you're trying to get a job, that's, that's great. That's fine. I'm not angry at you. But the people who sit at home and say, I refuse to work because my parents are going to do my laundry and... Uh, do everything else for me. I, I'm sorry ahead of time, but my, my compassion for you, for that group, is not really there because that, that offends me. The fact that I work hard, pay taxes, and then you get to not work. I don't know. That, that's something I, I can't comprehend that myself. So I don't know. And then I think in these days, <clears throat> in social media, um, people are just not really conscious of what they're saying all the time. And they're not always aware of the fact that people are reading, you know, comments and that people are aware and that, and that you do care um, what people are saying uh, about, about you or towards you. And um, this is how, this is how the, the, this is how blind people are in this country. And I've noticed it, especially in this country. Um, but I think this is how the blind people are in, in really all over the world. Um, so you are you are right, but well, 
Yes. Let me, uh, let me, and I'll, I'll give you an example of what brought me to this, this question. Uh, I joined a couple of support groups and, you know, I was dealing with some pretty, pretty heavy depression. Uh, I was dealing with learning the uh, mobility skills, learning the, the ins and outs of, of surviving and, and thriving as a visually impaired person. And I would ask a question or somebody like me would ask a question and almost invariably someone who was born blind would respond. I've been blind since I was born. I have accomplished everything I've ever wanted. You're making too big of a deal of it. Get over it. And that always blew my mind. And the people that, Say, said this kind of stuff, I would investigate, you know, I would, I would do a little Facebook trolling or whatever, and, or go back and read their other posts. And almost invariably, they were unemployed, never had a job, and, and lived with someone that took care of them. And it, it, it just shook my, my common sense that someone that has never been on their own is telling me that it's not that bad. And with that, I often find an attitude of you can do anything you want. Blindness isn't a barrier to anything unless you let it be. And, the, and, and there are quite a few blind and visually impaired people that love to shout that from the rafters. You can do anything you want. It's not a barrier. And, and they love saying that. And frankly, it's a lie. Unless you're born a Kennedy or you're Bill Gates kid. There are barriers in life and you will not be able to do everything you want. And I, I, I have the feeling that some of these people that were born this way have never been in the real world and have led sheltered lives and had had things handed to them their whole life and don't understand what it's like to, to struggle later. And the fact that they would, they would pipe up and, and tell me that I am experiencing my journey in blindness wrong it's horrible. I would never, I would never call you up and say, Hey, Aaron, you were born with glaucoma. You should have done A, B, and C. What are you dumb? That, that, that never, that never crossed my mind. Per perfectly articulated. And this is exactly the problem. And, you know, and there, there are, there, there are people who just, some of these people just simply just are, are truly are ignorant people. Um, and most of them are very, live very, very, very sheltered lives. And many of these people um, have never worked. And there, there are a percentage of these people who will, who will never work. Um, so, you, you know, yes. And there, there are limitations. And I think this whole, um, notion and there's a particular uh, organization that says you know their slogan is you know quote you know you can live the life you want you know blindness is not the characteristic that defines you in your life uh, end quote well that's that, that's a great quote and you know where it, where it comes from but that it, it does, that does not, that great quote, which is, a, which is a great attitude to have in life in general, it's a great thing. That quote and that attitude does not negate the fact that there are limitations that we have to accept. And this is a point that blind people 
who have never who have never really worked and never tried to have some experiences in life have never really understood this. And, well, even yeah. those that have worked, yeah, I I understand that. And yes, there there are plenty of people uh, like yourself that were born visually impaired that from the beginning, okay, I have this disability, or how if if that doesn't offend you, it doesn't offend me calling it a disability. Uh, I have this disability and I have to do whatever it is I have to do to make my own way in the world, such as yourself. And uh, for me, what, what I wanted the, some of these people who are born blind or visually impaired to realize before you tell somebody who's new to this life to suck it up or, it'll, or you know, you're, you're doing it wrong, realize that every choice I've made up, in my cho- in my specific case, every choice I made until I was 40 years old was geared to having a fully sighted life. From my career to my education to my choice of uh, town I lived in, I live I live 20 miles from town in a place that has no buses, and an Uber would cost me 50 bucks to get to town. My education is is fairly useless to someone who can't see. And my job history is 100% useless to someone who can't see. We are not traveling the same path. And and to have the gall to tell somebody, you can do anything you want. Well, you know what? That's fine if your goal is to sit home and and knit. But one one of the people I remember hearing a response to that was, well, you know what? I'm a neurosurgeon and I'm going blind. I think I lost something and you know, we're, we're all in this together. And, and I'll, I'll say this, we have different attitudes and, and not, not everybody has these attitudes. And to be fair, the newly born, the newly blind, I've noticed that we have some problems as well. And I don't know if you've experienced this uh, on the on the chat rooms or with other people, but one of the things I've noticed is our attitude sucks. Uh, I know for a fact, for me, I I spent a couple of years thinking this was the end of the world, and obviously it's not. I mean, I don't think like that at all anymore. But I know that we can be, we can my group can have poor attitudes and, and be despondent. And, and uh, my own uh, instructor told me a story of a gentleman who loved watching TV and he refused to move his chair closer to the TV because that's how he'd always done it. Refused to, to move to a point where he could see the TV. He would rather sit there and complain. And so I, I know people later on in life have their issues just as, just as well. I mean, um, and I, I'm just shocked that there's, that there is this divide between us because it doesn't need to, we're, we're so much more similar than we are different. You know what I mean? Without doubt, without doubt. Yeah, that's, that's, in, that, that's interesting. Um, and that's just for some reason how a lot of, a lot of blind people are like that. I, I don't fully understand it myself, um, but I will tell you that I have, I have had to ignore many blind people too who have this bad attitude, um, because you know I have uh, I have challenges in my life, and I don't need 
someone else to make my life any more challenging than it already is. So well, one of the other one of the other things that I've noticed, and this is this is where I think if we could meet in the middle as a group, we'd be better off. But I've noticed a lot of, uh, and I'll probably get well hate mail or whatever. You might get some hate mail for this. But I, I've noticed that a lot of people that were born blind have a sense of entitlement. Uh, they have a sense that the world owes them something. If it's not money, it's to adapt to their needs. And it's if it's not that, it's whatever the next thing they needed. They, they seem to have this, I'm owed this, and, and it's my birthright. And on the reverse side of that, I think a lot of us who are going blind later in life have the exact opposite. And I know for for a fact that I've talked with others and for myself, I still feel bad about taking social security. I don't feel entitled to that, even though I physically paid into you should, that. You should never, you should not feel bad about taking social security's money. If they had someone in, in front of you tell a judge that you should hold a sign, you shouldn't feel bad for a second about taking their money. Well, I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. I, I, I feel bad. Okay. For, okay. You know I mean, for, for other, for other reasons, I don't feel bad about it at all. Um, for several different reasons. Um, the one that I'm going to mention here on the episode is because I, I know that I, I work, work as much as I can every day of the year and I, and I pay taxes properly every year. So I don't, I feel like I am paying into the system. So then I don't feel bad about taking out of the system. I don't know. That's just how I see that. Well, and I think if we can meet in the middle, if, if, if the people who think they're owed everything could just calm down a little bit. Yes. And the people who think that they're not owed anything could have a little more sense of, I'm not a taker. I'm not a fraud. I'm, I'm, this is needed. And we can meet in the middle. It, it would be a nicer, a nicer community, so to speak. <laughs> Right. Although, although I thought it wasn't a community, but yes, you're right. It would be. Yeah. Well, I would, did. I did air quotes <laughs> with my fingers. Oh, okay. Uh, I I see. Well, you know, it's 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 just audio. So, okay. So we 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 missed the air. So we're gonna have to do an audio air quote. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. I I I I guess. I mean, and you know, remember, Ken. I'm 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 only 28 years old. So probably you, as an older person, have a different. You definitely have a different emotion towards Social Security and that whole notion of taking money from the government than I would. Um, but that's just really how, how that is. Yeah, that, that is a, that is a common uh, issue these days. I, I recall that there was, um, I was speaking with a, it was, oh, my sense of time with being, you know, staying at home so much is kind of, kind of drained a little bit, but it was several months ago or several weeks ago, at least I was speaking with one of the Canadian YouTubers who came onto my channel. Uh, one, one moment. And they they were telling thank you and they were telling me how in Canada there's a lot of debates about should we should blind people take benefits and should blind people accept money from the government you know my my opinion stands that I think if you're working if you truly are working 100 percent if you're doing your best and you pay your taxes properly each year then I think it is okay um, you know there has to be some give and take and I agree with you the all of us blind people. Uh, of course, it's not a community, but all of us <laughs> blind people together <laughs> need 
need to need to meet in the middle about it. And we definitely need to stop criticizing people like Ken and so many others who express their opinion about the, the sensitivity towards taking that money, you know, and if you're younger, like me or my generation, we should be aware that older people who are older than us have a different perception of, of how that system truly works, because they've been working in it a lot longer, you know, so I think I think there's some fairness that we need to be aware that as you get older, as people age, their perception of, of finance and money changes over time. So well, you're making I, me sound like an old fogey. I'm only 43. <laughs> well, but, um, I see. I, I would like to mention that I know there's 100% there's people whose circumstances make it impossible for them to work. Right, right. And I'm not taking anything away from that. If you're born blind and you're in an area that has zero opportunities for for jobs mm -hmm. or or whatever the case is there's people out there that that can't work and deserve the money but there's also people out there that can work and aren't and then this and see this is this is the thing and this is exactly the problem that i'm trying to understand here's here's my perception of it i think that the blind people who are working and are giving 100% and paying taxes properly every single year um, should obviously receive less from the government. And then my philosophy and my theory is so then if I receive less than someone who has another disability, um, maybe someone who has a cognitive disability, someone who truly is unable to work, they should be able to get more money than me because they truly are unable to work out of no fault of their own. That's a, that's a good point. So I, I mean, now, by, by, now, listener, you at home, no, I'm not an economist. I studied international relations, and I always hated math class. So I'm the last person who should be talking about this, this equation. But I don't know. I just wonder, okay, what would happen? Seriously, what would happen if we say, okay, all you blind people like Aaron and Ken, you guys are working, you guys are doing great. You're paying your taxes every year, great. So because of that, you, we're going to give you less money. And then to the others, uh, other people around the country who are not able to work, they're going to get more money because they deserve more money and that they really can't work. I, I don't understand why it's not, I guess, appropriated like that. I don't know. Do you, what's, what, what's the truth? Well, you, you know, it's like the workers' comp people. Um, when, I, when I was working at the jail, we had a few officers that would – you know, pretend to be hurt so they can get out on, on workers' oh, comp. Oh, come on, come on, really? And that kind of stuff. And, and that's oh. So a few people, you know, they raise the rates for everybody else. They give people a bad name. You know, it makes it everything harder. And, and I think that goes throughout, you know, it, it can go for our community as well. And uh, the way I look at it is I'm from, I'm from the middle of the woods. I, I'm just a poor redneck boy. Uh, who looked around after high school and realized I cannot survive here. I'm going to go get an education. I'm going to move to a bigger place. I'm going to find a job. And I'm going to survive. I left at 18. I never went back and I made life choices. So I would survive with the, with the information I had about my life at the time. And what, what disturbs me is the people who are blind that were born blind or visually impaired with, with no other, you know, no other contributing factors who decided well, I'm blind. That's good enough. I'll just take the check. Because if I personally, if I was born blind, I would be fully employed right now 
because I would have made choices throughout my life. I would have learned Braille. I would have learned tech. I would have learned all that stuff. I'd be in a completely different place. I would be somewhere with, with transportation, somewhere with high-speed internet, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole Megillah. I would not sit on my butt and collect, collect money simply because I couldn't see. And I think some of the loudest people who complain are those people. And, and it might be a case of the squeaky wheel. You know, we don't hear from a lot of the people who are working out there. They, they don't, they're not saying these controversial things. They're not telling me that I'm not doing blindness right. But I don't know. I, also, I can't judge. I, it sounds like I'm judging, but I can't judge anybody's individual case, and I don't know anybody. So before anybody gets super, yeah, hurt, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Not, and by the way, this episode is not judging anyone who is in any of these situations. We're just saying this in a very educate. We're just. This is an educational tool, and we are not intending to to offend any of you, even if you are in any of these situations. But I hope that you would that you would listen to this. Um, uh, material to hopefully understand someone else's perspective and how someone else is understanding what goes on. Exactly. I mean, I think you and I have a, a fairly typical situation. You know, you were born visually impaired, you made your choices and uh, you know, you've got a successful life. You take care of yourself. You make your own money. You do all your, you know, all the big boy stuff. Myself, I went blind. I've made all my choices. I've taken care of my family. I do all the big boy stuff here. And I think we're probably the average visually impaired person between us somewhere, you know, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I yes, yes. The average blind person uses their blindness as a crutch to, to um, or as a reason not to succeed or not to try or not, or, or just to be a leech or anything. I don't think that. But some of the, some of the vocal minority it's just it's causing problems and it, and it and it doesn't need to be if you tell me you can do anything you set your mind to if you find me a person that will tell me that i will find you, i will show you a person that's never tried anything worthwhile because as an adult if you have never failed that means you've never tried anything right right and if you if you've told me you've succeeded at everything you've ever done you're lying you're a fool or a liar one or the other yeah, or lying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, Bill well, Gates failed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I don't know that personally, but I guarantee something he wrote failed, you know? Right, right. And yes, without, without doubt. And the fact that there are... The fact that there are two competitive companies these days, Apple and Microsoft, shows us that both of those people, Gates and Jobs, at some point in their lives would have had to have failed or else one of those companies would have monopolized the entire world and we wouldn't have one or the other. So absolutely, both of those companies see failures and see, see down, you see problems every around the clock every single day. So I mean, really, You've, you've articulated your concern perfectly. Now, moving forward, what, what would you like to see from some of these groups? What, what action? Because I agree with you that I think action needs to be taken. What, what do you want to have happen? Well, I think we all need to be more understanding of the other's um, lives. Uh, right. Like you've said several times, you have no idea and no conception of 
the struggles I've gone through. Because that's, and, because that's true. Right. And, and, and likewise, I have no idea, no conception of the, the struggles you've had. Right. Uh, we, we have lived different lives. Uh, and, and there's no way I can put myself in your shoes. I think if we take a little from column A and a little from column B, you know, like maybe the people that are going blind are a little less dramatic about this is the end of the world. Probably. Probably and so. Maybe, maybe some of these people that are saying you can accomplish anything and this isn't a disability are a little more honest and say, well, it is. And, and build each other up instead of, of, of tearing each other down. That would be the, the first step, I think. And uh, I mean, we're all in it together. That's the, that's the thing. That's what's so crazy. And I would never tell someone personally, you're, you're, you're wrong for feeling that way. And, and I would hope no one would say that to me, but they have. And I've gotten, I've gotten flack for some of my opinions. I've told that I'm not, uh, oh, what was the phrase? I'm not far enough along my journey to understand what I'm saying. Uh, when, I, when I've come to terms with my blindness, I will be much more uh, of their opinion, you know, just, just being talked yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, you know, my my parents have faced that as well. Uh, dealing raising me, um, there were some individuals in some of the, uh, well, it's not a community, but some organization um, that made some. Uh, and and I'm and I I cannot um, speak for the comments that were made actually, but they may because you know because it wasn't made to me, so it's not fair for me to repeat it. But I I will tell you that that some people have made some incredibly. Uh, disturbingly inappropriate remarks to both of my parents uh, about the way that I was growing up or something like that. So um, yeah, it's highly inappropriate and it really needs to stop. And I think that you're a hundred percent right. If we, if everybody could just be 1% nicer or a little bit, a tiny bit kinder in this day and age, that would probably help a million. And that's probably what needs to happen. I also think that these mo the moderators and the admins of the group groups need to be a little bit more a little bit more active at times. Um but it's hard, you know, then they flag one comment and don't flag another and then they, it's got that then that gets into a vicious cycle too. So um but I I I agree with you that this is a a serious problem. Um so listeners, what do you think about this? I I would like you to tell me in the comments below. Um, and I think that if you are listening to this and, and you have some opinions, you should, you should, you know, vocalize them. You should start a podcast, email me an, an MP3 file. I'd be happy to listen to what you have to say to me. Email me your complaints, email me your concerns, email your compliments. By the way, Aaron's opinion six at gmail.com. Um, we've been with Ken Smith. I do need to be on my way. Is there any final statement that you uh, would like to say? And of course, I'm really looking forward to having you back on for a part three anytime you want. But what else would you like to say to kind of wrap this episode up? Well, I, I would just like to say that I have used my retirement, my early retirement, this, this experience as best as I can. I am a better father. I'm a better husband. Uh, I'm a more introspective person. It's because I've used the time I've been given. Uh, I don't enjoy my visual impairment, but I am striving my best 
not to let it define me while still being aware of the disability and the drawbacks that come with it. And I just want people to be kind. And, and that's the, that's the most, that's, that's the, that's the takeaway. Be nice, be kind. I agree. Let's stop right there. That was really good. Everybody out there in these challenging times for everyone all over the world, could you just please be kind? Just be nice. That would just be great. You've been listening to another exciting episode of, you've been listening to another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people, as I always like to say, where we talk about issues in the blindness community from losing blindness to um, blessings in blessings in disguise, frustrations on social media, and the fact that everybody needs to be nice and kind these days. Um, once again, follow my page on Facebook, Aaron's Opinion. I am also posting this these episodes on Twitter. Um, if you want more information, just just let me know. That's okay. Let me know about that, and I'll be happy to send you a PM. Oh, by the way, I also uh, forgot to tell you, I'll send you a link. Uh, I also started a Telegram um, thread uh, for this podcast. I really need to have my own uh, conversation where I can share episodes and uh, include everybody. So um, I tell you what, uh, check me out on Telegram. Um, If you need the link, I'll send you the link. If you guys want the link out there and the listeners, just look on the Facebook group. Um, But if you want to learn more about my Telegram uh, Telegram post or Telegram... uh, chat thread channel just let me know all right everybody great episode have a good day today stay safe have a great day tomorrow Duncan's new wake-up go-to's mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-to's. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer.